Welcome to the Australian Defence Magazine podcast. In this edition, we speak with Dan McQuiston from Bell Helicopters about the company's ongoing commitment to Australia's defence sector. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Grant McCarran, and once again, I'm joined as ever by Kath Ziesing, the managing editor of the Australian Defence Magazine. Kath, how are you going? Hey, good, thanks, Grant. Excellent. And for this episode, we're joined by uh, Dan McQuiston. He's the Business Development Director for Bell, and he's responsible for Australia, New Zealand, and Papua New Guinea. Welcome, Dan. Thanks, Grant. Hi, Kath. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. So, Dan, you're here today to talk to us about all things Bell and future vertical lift and some of the exciting technologies that we're looking at. But I understand you're going to kick things off by talking to us about how Bell got to where it is at the moment. Yeah, thanks, Grant. You know, Bell has a long and rich history. It's uh, it's an 80-plus-year-old company, and there's certainly some exciting things going on at Bell at the moment. But uh, I'm really keen and, and really welcome the opportunity to have a talk about Bell and where we are, where we've come from, and certainly where we are and where we've come from in Australia and our history in Australia, the legacy that we have with the Australian Defence Force and the Australian Army. And there's also two programs that are, we're currently active in in Australia, uh, being LAND 2097 and LAND 4503. So I'd be happy to discuss those. And just around the corner, you know, we're looking at future vertical lift. So Bell has a number of vertical lift technologies that they've been working on and we're looking into the future of not just military platforms but civilian platforms, manned platforms and unmanned platforms and indeed autonomous aircraft for logistics, uh, for defence forces and it's, it is an exciting time. So, Dan, for those that don't live and breathe Army Aviation Program numbers, can you give us a bit of an overview of the Special Forces requirement under 2097 and the wider Army requirement as well? Yeah, for sure, Kath. Thanks for asking. I should note that LAN 2097 is the Special Operations Rotary Wing Program, and uh, that will be a new capability for the Australian Defence Force. Uh, it's for special operations to insert and extract small forces and for a you know, counter-terrorism, either domestic or uh, as required in region. So it's a capability that requires a, an agile aircraft, a small aircraft, something that's rapidly deployable, um, but has the performance and capabilities to, to take some pretty big equipment into small places. So my understanding is that you've got the, uh, the 429 that you're bidding into that program, is that correct? With different partners. Yeah, indeed, Kath. Yeah, we, we were really humbled, um, to be honest, that... We have two strong industry partners that have identified and selected the 429 as an excellent capability for land 2097. So it's been a really wonderful experience to work with those two Australian companies and make a good effort at putting forward what we believe is an excellent solution um, for land 2097. You know, out of respect of the process, it is currently being assessed. And so we probably won't talk to too many technical details of, of that program, but we're looking in the near future to hopefully find out about down selection and, and really hopeful and positive that Bell is going to be involved moving forward in the selection process. So with those industry teaming arrangements for that particular program, so one is with Babcock and one is with Hawker Pacific, how would you characterize the different teams? So we have two prime system integrators for LAN 2097 and we've been humbled that both have gone through a selection process and decided that the 429 has the capabilities to perform for LAN 2097. The fact that we have two primes is just going to give the ADF you know, choice and we see it as a positive that there are more than one 
prime system integrator that can offer their differentiated and strong solutions to the Australian Defence Force. So I guess on the other program, which is on the horizon, is the Tiger replacement. And that has been quite, I would say, up until this point, a a fraught program. Uh, It's been hard fought um, in terms of commentary and to who the likely successor is going to be. Bell has been uh, relatively quiet on the details of their bid with support from BA System. Can you tell us why and how, I guess, your solution would be best suited to ADF service? Yeah, thanks, Kath. I, I must admit, yes, there's, uh, there's been some quiet times over COVID. There's plenty going on with LAN 4503, which for your listeners is the ARH replacement or the Armed Reconnaissance Helicopter Replacement Program. And Bell and BAE Systems in Australia have been involved with that from, from the start. We've been involved with RFIs. And realistically, we have a formidable team together working the LAN 4503 program. Um, BAE is joined with Bell, obviously, and that's been over five or six years, that that relationship. We also have on board NAVAIR and the United States Marine Corps as part of our team. So it's really a formidable team that has a really broad depth of experience, not only with the platform and its operations with the United States Marine Corps, but with local industry in Australia, sustainment of aircraft and systems. And the AH-1 Zulu Viper is an amazing platform. I mean, it's designed for austere environments. You look at that aircraft and, you know, a lot of people will will look at the pictures of an AH-1 Zulu and think it's something old, but it is a brand new airframe and designed aircraft and it is at the leading edge of design and capability. When we talk about our force and our force structure and where we're going in the future, you know, think about what we're going to be doing in the Pacific. That aircraft has an automatic blade fold kit, could be folded in four minutes. It's designed to operate on ships with a small footprint and a small maintenance footprint. A small maintenance footprint at sea means that you're spending less time looking after the aircraft and more time on operations. And that is key when you're in the field and out there trying to fight the war. But Marinize doesn't just mean, you know, being able to fold the blades. There's a whole bunch of things that Marinize and and deployable mean. And and the AH-1 Zulu with the United States Marine Corps are, are an exemplar of that kind of operation. I mean, just recently we've seen the United States Marine Corps basically island hopping across the Pacific with the V-22 and, the, you, you know, in, within support of the AH-1 Zulu. Uh, an, an amazing thing to see coming across the horizon on, on a Pacific island. But back to your point on the teaming. Yes, BAE Systems Australia is teamed with Bell for LAN 4503 and on LAN 2097 we're teamed with Babcock and Hawker Pacific. And it is something that Bell does globally. We understand that to keep our aircraft flying and to support our customers best and our end users best, we go into long and strong and meaningful relationships with uh, local companies, local entities, and people that are, you know, for this instance, in Australia. I mean, we, we know that Australians know Australian best, and that's why we went and selected companies such as Hawker Pacific, uh, Australian-grown company, Babcock, was Australian-grown company in its helicopter operations early days is, was Australian helicopters. And BAE's been in-country here for over 60 years. Just to give you an idea, I guess, of, of uh, our footprint here in Australia, so commercially we have a fleet of over 300 helicopters to support in Australia. And as I mentioned, that local support is how Bell uh, achieves this and it's also how Bell has been voted number one for about 22 years now for support globally by having that local support. Now, what this means is you've got 
what we call certified customer service facilities. They are partners with Bell. We supply training. We have given them capabilities. We grow their skills. We grow local jobs in Australia uh, and increase their footprint to better serve our customers. And we actively drive that as a company and actively search out capabilities, companies, and support organizations that help us keep our aircraft in the air. You know, Bell as a company champions the warfighter. They champion their paramilitary and parapublic operators. You're talking about emergency medical services, search and rescue, police, and they understand that it, that how important that role is to keep those aircraft flying and they're often 24-7 operations. And so to give you a quick breadth of, of what we have here in Australia, we've We have the largest footprint of support for an OEM in Australia for commercial operations. Uh, We have four CSFs, the customer service facilities, uh, ranging from uh, Perth, Adelaide, Brisbane, Coffs Harbour and Sydney. Uh, We have a joint venture with Hawker Pacific in Blade Repair Shop, which will be in Queensland. And we have Textron Systems Australia, which is a sister company under the Textron banner of Bells um, based in Victoria, which is advanced manufacturing in, in UAS and UAVs. So, you know, Bell has been here for the majority of 80 year plus Bell history. And, you know, Bell um, continues to support their customers in the field. So Bell's also known to the Defence Force, obviously. I mean, Army Aviation has utilised Bell helicopters since its inception. And those aircraft, Bell's been in the Army for its entire, well, it's, it uh, obviously celebrated its 50 years Golden Jubilee um, two years ago. And at that prestigious occasion is when the Kiowa uh, finally retired. And so up until that point, Bell's been in the Australian Army. And at that event, the Kiowa's retired. The last three aircraft flew and uh, it was a wonderful ceremony and parade. And you know, those aircraft had been here for 50 years, uh, about 56 aircraft, and they've flown between 400 and 500,000 hours over their time. You know, the Bell Sioux, that's uh, in operations in PNG for a few years there, did 16,000 hours just in that operation. Um, the Iroquois, the Huey, you know, people know it. It's an iconic, you know, photo and, and memory of, of Vietnam. And that aircraft operated for decades. Just to highlight one of the things that the Huey achieved in its time with the Australian Defence Force, the UH-18 Iroquois from 171 Operational Support Squadron, it was deployed to Bougainville as part of the Multinational Peace Monitoring Force. And as an unarmed aircraft, they actually painted it red, so which is a first, I'm sure, for Bell and, uh, and was also a first for the Australian Army. But that was to distinguish them from the P&G Defence Force aircraft so that they were known as peacekeepers. And to give you an idea of how well that Bell aircraft are supported in the field, both military and parapublic, I mean, those aircraft operated in Bougainville between 1998 for about approximately three years and flew more than 8,000 hours during that time in a remote area. And uh, that kind of support is what Bell has built its reputation on. It's there for the warfighter and it's there for its parapublic and military users. It's there for its life-saving missions for EMS, for search and rescue. And it's that kind of dependability, you know. I, I mean, I'm a pilot. I fly the 429. I've flown over 600 hours in the 429. I, I learned to fly in the Army and the Air Force and I have flown in emergency medical services and uh, in my time. And, you know, you do get that person-to-machine sort of relationship because of the dependability. <laughs> and... And it's that dependability that is 
is key. It's key in the capability. It's key in the capability to be able to maintain those aircraft if they're maintainable and they get up and go to work every day, then you're going to affect what you want with your capability. And the Bell aircraft to stand out in that space. Dan, I was just wondering, you know, we've talked a lot about the in-country sustainment, but as a US-based OEM, uh, what opportunities are there for Australian industry to get involved in the build phase of any potential successful program that might be happening? I think it's something that comes up when we look at these large programs. Um, And indeed, it is a US-based company. Um, We are the manufacturer. You know, Bell's core business is innovating, uh, designing, manufacturing the aircraft, and then uh, going on to support it through its life from the factory with parts and some services. So what does that mean when the aircraft come to Australia and what opportunities are there for Australian industry? Well, we manufacture the aircraft in the first couple of years and then for the rest of the life of type, the aircraft is operating in country and being supported by a local supply chain and local capability. Um, Examples of this, if I go back to the, the customer service facility example, those capabilities include advanced repair, manufacturing of any kits or specific equipment that may be added to the aircraft. You know, I I don't mind telling you that we don't really talk about it as building an aircraft in Australia. The aircraft are reassembled in Australia and there may be completions to that aircraft's configuration in Australia. And there's definitely opportunities in that space on both these programs for local industry and capability to be involved in that process. And they will be. Um, And going forward, it's about sustainment upgrading those capabilities and having interest in continuing to improve those platforms where defence sees fit. Bell does that in the background as well. So we have dedicated program offices for all our types and all our commercial and military helicopters continually improve uh, not only in upgrading technology but also in working on any improvements uh, with the airframe or its components that drive down direct operating costs. So an example of this might be an improvement to a component on a Bell 429 that puts that aircraft component on condition as opposed to having a maintenance life on it. And at that point, the aircraft component only needs to be looked at, which could be done in Australia and inspected rather than replacing that part. And it drives down costs and it increases availability. So Bell in the US is uh, involved in the Future Vertical Lift program as well. Can you give us a bit of an overview of how that giant US program will be affecting the Australian upgrade path for our rotary wing fleets? Yeah, for sure, Kath. I mean, Future Vertical Lift is an interesting and really exciting time. And Bell is absolutely honoured to have been down-selected by the American Army um, to participate in what is called FARA and FARA. So FARA, <laughs> it's a little bit of a tongue twister, sure. FARA is the um, future attack reconnaissance aircraft and Bell has recently been down-selected to participate in that competition with the Bell 360 Invictus. And that aircraft will be a, a scout-type attack and reconnaissance aircraft Um, of similar size to what you might see attack and reconnaissance helicopters today. FLARA is the future long-range assault aircraft, and Bell um, has already run through that program with the V-280. And the V-280 has done exceptionally well, um, being fast, uh, being quickly manufactured, brought to flight test, run through its paces, and ticked all the boxes for the American Army. So those are the two aircraft and the two programs that Bell are working on. 
I must admit at this time, just to interject, you know, backing up on those two aircraft, what we're seeing is Bell getting energised, getting down-selected and starting to put in place all the back-of-house processes to make sure that they can be successful if they win. So this is future factory and future supply chain. And what Bell has is a command centre. It's been up and running for 18 to 24 months. And the command centre is uh, is a tool for Bell and it looks like a big operations centre and with some nice big screens and some big maps. And But what what's running in behind that is a lot of analytics, uh, a lot of processes and a lot of visibility across our supply chain globally. And that's basically driven what we've seen previously as a 86% um, availability of, of parts to our supply chain to 90, sorry, about 80% to about 96%. So it's forward-looking and it's based on, it's a risk-based system that, that works proactively. So, Dan, you have, you've described effectively a global operations centre there, uh, amazing information and collation of data. Is that all Bell field support units or do you have some of the other suppliers feeding into that? Is some of the information coming from industry, not just from the Bell sites themselves? Yeah, absolutely, Grant. So we do have a global supply chain and, and having visibility on our vendors and partners globally is what is going to make this work you know, and continue to, to work well. So coming back to Kath's point, you know, Australian industry, absolutely, there's opportunity with where we're going with future vertical lift and the aircraft that are being produced by Bell to be involved um, and be part of that supply chain. We even have components that we don't just have one vendor for. It's about security of supply chain and we're getting ahead of the game by doing predictive things with a lot of data and really working smart so that we can make sure that we commit and deliver on anything that we win with the American Army, and that would flow down through to anything that happens in the future with the Australian Army. So, Dan, obviously the uh, we can't talk about Bell without talking about the V-22 in some way, shape, or form. And now with Japan operating the platform, what do you think are the likely effects for any Australian business tie-in for that? So, Kath, the V-22 has just started flying with Japan. And to your point, no, I don't know of any Australian companies that are involved with that program at this point. But if you're talking about the future and uh, and where the Australian Defence Force can go with its platforms, uh, the V-22 is a contender. Uh, the production line's open. They've got a an overseas user. They've got allied users. And again, I just go back to that point about the Pacific. We're an island nation, and if we're going to be looking at where the Pacific's going over the next 10 to 20 years, that kind of capability sort of speaks for itself. So, Dan, you've mentioned the V280 Vela, um, the amazing tilt-wing proposal for FARA. You've got the Invictus going for FARA. There's a lot of innovation going into those two platforms. We're seeing some uh, great work coming out in the commercial space as well with uh, the latest uh, Bell products. Are you able to talk a little bit about what's happening in Bell's innovation space? Yeah, for sure, Grant. Innovation, is, as I've mentioned during this podcast, it's really been part of Bell from the start. But today we're looking at some great uh, innovation pieces and some excellent technology coming on. One of our commercial platforms that's soon to be certified is the Bell 525. The Bell 525 is about a 9.3-tonne aircraft. Uh, It's designed with offshore oil and gas in in mind, but certainly for parapublic operators in, say, Coast Guards and Search and Rescue is somewhere where that aircraft will go. And it's an amazing aircraft. It would be the first commercial certified fly-by-wire aircraft. And 
you know, I've seen that thing. It flies for a conventional rotor system. It can reach 200 knots, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, the technology on board that aircraft is excellent. We're seeing things like even the tail boom is shaped and cambered. And what that equates to is actually two more passengers that that aircraft can take um, because of the lifting tail boom. And, you know, I know the guy that that has the patent on that and I, and I work for, I work with him, you know, on a weekly basis when we're working on 525 uh, projects. So what else have we got coming on? We've got the autonomous pod transport. So this is like a quadcopter drone. It's going to be on t- autonomous. Um, we've already built uh, and flown what we call the APT-20, which is autonomous pod transport 20, which is a, a 20 pound payload and the APT-70, which is a 70 pound payload. So, you know, getting a bit bigger again and about the size of a uh, probably a you know oblong dinner table um, with uh, with four little uh, electric motors and and uh, propellers on top um, and this is the kind of things that we'll see moving forward as logistics drones which will absolutely have application to commercial and military programs so apt is actually uh, working and the bell innovation team is working with nasa on that for proving those flights and the concept particularly that was picked for the apt 70 was to be able to fly through complex airspace autonomously. Uh, and that occurred not so long ago through uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. And therefore, looking at the proof of concept that maybe the APT-70 could take off from a hospital with some life-saving medical equipment uh, or blood and then fly across a city to another hospital where it was required and that was done entirely uh, autonomous. So. There's some great things going on. It's it's not just the big V280 and uh, and the Invictus, uh, but we've also got commercial products and we've also got uh, some other vertical lift activities going on. So the design and, and technology doesn't stop at Bell. We've even seen in recent media uh, releasing photos of the electrically distributed anti-torque system that was trialled on the 429. So you may have seen the picture of a 429 aircraft, but instead of the conventional tail rotor, uh, it had four electrically driven fans in the back. Um, and, you know, our company is hopeful that that technology will be refined and make its way into our commercial platforms and possibly military platforms in time. And this kind of innovations and, and designs are something that Bell continues to do as we move forward. Yeah, because driving that tail rotor does take a lot of energy out of availability for the road, main rotor because the engine's powering through your gearbox conversion down the end to the tail rotor. So replacing that with something electrical driven, put a generator on the engine. And yeah, I can see a lot of benefit in that. Yeah, and you can see benefits in safety as well. Obviously, the if you look at um, the drones that your kids can buy off the shelf, when they hit the ground, they stop. And so same concept applies. Uh, and in that critical time when it might be nighttime, you've got medical crews or military personnel coming in and out and around helicopters. Um, that is the most dangerous area to look out for. Well, that's that's fascinating stuff, Dan. And I'm really happy you were able to tell us not just about the innovations, but also about the uh, the wonderful work that's being done by Bell in this area and around the world. So thank you so much for joining us, Dan. Um, any final words? Yeah, thanks, Grant. Thanks, Kath. It's been a wonderful opportunity to discuss you know, what's going on at Bell, where we are, and where we're going. So to be honest, Bell wants to be part of the Australian Army. It's only been a two-year gap since we were forever, and uh, it is exciting times. Great to be involved in these two programs, um, looking at uh, on the doorstep of future vertical lift, and it's going to be exciting next decade or two for Bell and uh, hopefully in Australia. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time today, Dan. Cheers. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's where we'll end this episode here. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with more good information for you. Thanks very much for joining us today. The ADM Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Australian Defence Magazine, a Yeffa media title. The views of the people appearing on this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Australian Defence Magazine, the Department of Defence, or the guest's employer. If you wish to use any of the audio in this podcast, please contact Australian Defence Magazine via their website, australiandefence.com.au, or via email at defmag at yaffa.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.